Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Around the World. Hello everybody, joining me for Around the World, David Luzader, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Well, I, I think I can say that I'm doing well. Hold on, I have to go get approval uh, from the Ministry of of Daily Feelings, uh, but that's going to require a seven-hour meeting, so I'll get back to you in a bit on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely do. We want to hear back. Uh, Nicole Davis, are you allowed to tell us how you are doing? Yes, because I'm reporting from the Nerd HQ, and we get things <laughs> done here, so... Not a lot yeah, of sunlight I'm, I'm there, good. though. No. no, no, we don't need it. It's fine. <laughs> no, not a lot of sunlight when you're filming your entire movie in what ostensibly seems like a Marriott. Uh, but <laughs> my name is Brett Stewart, and we went ahead and watched an Around the World pick this week. That means it is a film that came out internationally, not a American film. Uh, it was my pick this time around. And before I introduce the pick, I do want to introduce next week's movie, which is You Did This To Us. We will have put a poll up on our website and you will have voted. So future me, the one editing this podcast, actually knows what it is. So I'll let him go ahead and pop in right now and tell you what movie it is. Actually, she will tell you. Hello and welcome from COVID land. I still have it. I don't have it too bad, but my voice is a little bit scratchy, so please forgive me. Uh, next week will be episode 150, so we thought we should do something a little special, quote unquote. Uh, for episode 100, we talked about Twilight, so it seemed logical that for the next milestone episode, we should tackle the next film in that series. We did it to ourselves, really? Next week, we talk about 2009's New Moon. And that's what we're watching next week. Hey, Nicole, maybe it's it's something good for once, but it won't be. (laughs) Such optimism from the young. I I do feel like, I know this is biting the hand that feeds you a little bit with this, but I feel like Cats is pretty much as bad as it can get. I feel like it can only go up from here. No, don't test them. Don't challenge them. Uh, I yeah. know. I know. <laughs> we'll have to watch Food Fight or whatever it's called. Don't even put that into the world. Don't put that into the world. <laughs> so this week, though, uh, was uh, my pick for Around the World. It was my go around on this one. And I was surprised neither of you have seen this because typically it's the other way around where one of you is bringing a, a Japanese or an East Asian film that I have not seen. I actually saw this one in theaters at the Music Box in Chicago because it only aired in a couple you know, indie cinemas here when it came out in 2016. I remember having very interesting thoughts about it, which we'll get into um, in this episode. But we watched Shin Godzilla. A Japanese bureaucracy, oh sorry, Japan's bureaucracy struggles to deal with the sudden appearance of a giant monster out of Tokyo Bay. So the reason I chose this very briefly uh, is because I find this version of Godzilla perhaps what would be the most accurate version of Godzilla if Godzilla was to come to fruition in the sense that this movie is inundated by 
dozens and dozens of meetings and people that need approval from other committees and other committees that need to be created in order to give that approval so they can go and talk to the prime minister so he can talk to the president so they can talk to the nerd squad so they can talk to the police so they can talk to the army and it's a lot of that and i joked about it just being filmed in like a marriott but probably was it's just a bunch of conference rooms and every single time you see godzilla it's hilarious because (laughs) we'll get into that it's not like the greatest looking godzilla by Uh, any means it's it's not bad great towards the end toward the end it gets pretty cool but there's everything that like jives with me as like the original idea of godzilla just being like an action figure on, 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 on strings. And that's kind of what this looks like, especially in its very first iteration. Um, if, if you Classic think, Godzilla is not an action figure on strings. Yeah, a Classic guy Godzilla a is a man in a rubber suit. No, it's a guy in a costume. It's a guy in a costume, right? <laughs> yeah. If but, you think this Godzilla looks goofy, go look at like any Godzilla from like the 60s, like 50 and 60 era. Oh, there's it, some goofy looking, like look at Son of Godzilla mm. if you want to oh, real. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and like, and I, I love Godzilla. Like, I've I've seen all the Criterion ones in, in my collection for the Godzilla, and and they're great, and I love them, and it's such a cool piece of Japanese cinema that has such interesting roots, and uh, and I just feel like this kind of gets back to some of that, and that's what I like about it, especially because 2016, if I'm not mistaken, was the year that one of the other Americanized Godzillas came out, and they they were actually able to kind of ride the coattails of that popularity a little bit, which was good for this movie, but I, if I'm not mistaken, that American one was not good. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I just watched, so it was 2014 because. Oh, uh, okay. No, but that's the Brian Cranston one. Oh, yes. Are you talking about Godzilla King of Monsters? Yes. Yeah. So there is actually, uh, so that's a 2019 movie that came out just a couple years ago. Um, there is, uh, okay. there is like an arrangement that has been made with, with Toho. I, I did some reading on this where they cannot release a Godzilla movie in the same year that an American Godzilla movie is released based on their like agreement with universal or whoever is, is putting these movies out. Uh, okay. So there has to be some sort of uh, there has to be a bit of a break around that. Gotcha. That makes sense. Cause, cause I actually, I, I really do love the, uh, I think it's like Gareth Edwards. Is he the guy that did rogue one or mm-hmm. he, he did the Godzilla that came out in 2014. I want to say. I don't know. We're going in a whole rabbit hole. One of the Star Wars directors did it, but I, I I do like that movie a lot. But this one just has a special place in my heart. It's so weird. Um, I I understood pretty quickly why you like this, and it's because you loved In the Loop so yes, much. Yes, as I was rewatching it, I'm like, oh my god, this is just In the Loop with monsters. <laughs> yeah, the first the first yeah. act of this movie is pretty much the thick of it Japanese version, um, minus the profanity. Minus the profanity. Well, I don't know. I don't speak Japanese. There might have been profanity snuck in there. There, there was none in the American dub that I, the English dub that I uh, had to watch because I rented this off Amazon and I, it said two language tracks. I was like, great, Japanese is going to be in here. And it starts up and it's English or English descriptive language tracks. Yeah. So. Oh, and I see. Yeah, Brett had said something about renting the original Japanese version. So that's what I did. And I panicked at first because when I started the movie, and then I went to change, you know, to put the subtitles on. And there was the only subtitle track was in Japanese. I, but, the, <laughs> oh, but, no. but no, 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 no. But but the quote unquote original Japanese version has English subtitles built into it. 
Okay. Uh, so it's not the Amazon provided subtitles. It's uh, it's got its own uh, setup. I was gotcha. really hoping this was going to be Nicole coming into the show being like, I only had time to watch it once. I have no idea what anyone said. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think you can get a lot of the context of like, yeah. they're talking a lot. Godzilla's destroying the city and they're doing nothing. Right. Uh, but but also doing nothing, but somehow doing everything. Like it's, it's, I, I think you're right, Nicole. Like I love the, the mundane bureaucratic red tape like that 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 people have to cut through in order to do the most basic of things in government and it was funny to see that bit play out for this entire movie in a very like recognizable fashion as someone who is an american and knows this process on our side yeah and and also it's it's happened like gosh i'm i sidebar on like i'm trying to think of a good example like bush and katrina that's a whole can of worms we could open up. But like there there have been times where the US government has spent so much time sitting there being like, We should do this, we should do this. And meanwhile, a city is flooding, right? Like and so, and that happens in this movie. So this this movie is particularly kind of responding to two events. Um, one is the the Fukushima nuclear disaster that happened. Both these both are, are Japanese. There's the the Fukushima disaster and uh, the to- the Tohoku earthquake and tsunami that happened in 2011. Both of which were very devastating events, and yet Japan took forever to kind of do anything about. So that's why uh, you know Godzilla is kind of a tsunami slash earthquake, just kind of wrecking everything and leaving radiation everywhere. And there's a lot of discussions about what should we call it? <laughs> like, the, you know, there's so much time spent about the like idea of like, well, people should uh, retreat, right? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Okay, cool. We should um, not let it destroy uh, Tokyo. <laughs> it's a good plan. Great. Uh huh. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's just out there derping around <laughs> with his big old orange <laughs> face because his original version is lovable. Oh I didn't my know. God. I didn't know that this was a like Godzilla is the destructive force movie because um, I, I didn't really know a lot about it. So I thought like, oh, this is the new monster that Godzilla is going to fight. Too. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, and, I, like, I was surprised. You know, he had like the back spikes. They kind of hint at it early on that he's like the back spikes. So it's going to become Godzilla. Yeah, I thought this was the new monster. And then uh, he transforms from there. It was very surprising. Well, yeah, it's a giant mutant chicken possum with gills is <laughs> it, it just looks- sort of the, the feeling i got and the reason i say chicken is because it, it reminded me of hey hey from moana sure <laughs> very accurate dead eyes that it's got yeah it's like a so. crawling komodo dragon with googly eyes pasted on on it and and, and i yeah, love the, i think the eyes are very much an homage to to like the old monster movies like it's yeah. Gamera has very much the same kind of just painted on eyeballs you know the don't, uh, the don't eyes have make any it. life to them the <laughs> eyes make it for me honestly like if they had put yeah. regular Godzilla eyes on it like it would have been like oh okay but the fact that it's got these big old buggy eyes and it's just it's like shimmying it's like shimmying and like there's this great like horrific shot where it shows this like family like trying to escape an apartment building and then Mm. he just like presses his entire body up into the apartment building and just like climbs over it subsequently collapsing the apartment building but my my favorite is the shot in which they show him in full at first previously you've just seen like the tail and it's like come out of the water a couple times and like 
there have been more recent Godzilla films like they play kind of coy with showing you the monster at first and then it just cuts to the shot of this mutant lizard with buggy eyes running down the street it's so good as best you can with no front legs and it's so good like people are running from it and it's just it's you can't take it seriously i'm just laughing thinking about it and there's and there's no build-up to that shot it goes from like them in a conference room to this happening right in the middle of the screen and yeah the previews that the trailers actually went along the same lines like the the u.s trailer was very coy about showing the monster you just get like tiny little glimpses like a, a bit of the tail and a little flick of the back and the japanese ones is just there it is in the middle of tokyo standing yeah. in the middle of everything you know big shot um but actually i just wanted to quickly throw in when you were talking about him uh climbing up on the apartment building and knocking it over with the little family inside the mother and the two kids that's a callback to the original mm. godzilla there's a scene where a mother and her two children are facing facing death and the mom says you know it's okay we'll be with daddy soon oh, <laughs> god Jeez. holy crap <laughs> my god yeah well the, the original godzilla is dark well, the, yeah. yeah so this this movie returns to the roots of the original in that sense of the first movie was not long after that america dropped yeah, two nuclear years. bombs on no, on less, japan less. yeah yeah it, it was it was about ten, yeah, and or it was like would have been less than ten by the time it was developed and, and being made. And so Godzilla is basically, I mean, he's a he's a monster traditionally always like he's a monster that comes from radiation. Same thing in in this story, same in the twenty fourteen Gareth Edwards one. And it's like he's a walking atomic bomb that's coming through and, and destroying the city. And there's you know there's this real somber feeling in that original one, especially like towards the end of like is this going to happen again? Uh, and it's, it's speaking more about like, is Japan going to be bombed again? How would like, what, how would we handle that? What would that be like? And then uh, from there, Godzilla started fighting other monsters and running around on his tail, kicking them. And it's, it's great and campy <laughs> and fun. And King Kong shoves a tree down his throat. I love all of it. Don't get me wrong, but it, no film had really kind of returned to that serious examination of like Japan's sort of cultural struggles or fears made real until this one. And Nicole, you put in our docket, you know, the resistance as well of using the nuclear bomb because this, this film does definitely, they have fun a little bit with the way they portray the Americans and, and rightfully so because the, the Americans are just very cavalier about like, we're going to come into your country and drop a bomb. And, and, and of we did right like like as david said so i mean it's just interesting how they go ahead and approach um ever, like all the western nations have an idea about what to do with japan and how they want to solve the problem and it's going to result in death and destruction and horrible things happening and at one point one of the guys says like shouldn't japan figure out what japan wants to do with japan and then that's when the prime minister's like, yeah, I guess so. And that's when they try to freeze Godzilla. But backing up, I, I appreciate that that commentary that, you know, there are, yeah, there, Japan's fate has been decided for it several times. And they, they don't let that happen in this movie. Yeah, well, I mean, they are desperate. And I think this is where the, the real drama 
happens in this movie. You know, it, it's not funny all the way through. Like the first no. quarter, first third is is funny with the bumbling bureaucracy, and then it gets, you know, more actiony and but more frustrating too with the political failures and it becomes a how to solve the problem. And then it becomes how to avoid the crisis of the U S dropping a nuke to Mm -hmm. kill Godzilla. And they are doing absolutely everything they can think of to avoid that option, to avoid having another nuclear bomb go off in Japan. And the anguish feels very real. Mm-hmm. You know, there's absolutely anything. What else can we do? Let's go. Let's get it done. We need one more day. Somebody go, you know, pull your political cl- connections with France and trade in all your favors and get us one extra day to get this done. And I mean, I I get it. You know, the portrayal of the U.S. is just kind of stomping in and, you know, declaring an imperial fiat almost. Right. Um, is I'm not mad about it. You know, we do that. We do that shit, and it's just, uh, yeah. or our government does, whether or not all the people uh, agree with it. But what was I going to say? Oh, um, yeah, I mean, that's just a result, part of the problem with trying, them trying to mount an assault on Godzilla is the, you know, we have this pact with this security treaty with Japan, where Japan is not supposed to have like a standing army uh, ready to go on the offensive or go to war it's you know they're allowed to have defensive forces and that's it it's been that way since world war ii and you know quite frankly it's i think it's time to let them handle things themselves um so you know but i mean that's a whole big undercurrent that's going on in them trying to figure out this problem is like the u.s is involved whether they like it or not Mm mm-hmm yeah, that was something that I found very interesting just about the, even going beyond the bureaucracy and and this coming from a Japanese perspective of them struggling kind of with, you know, with, with those walls and the, and the shortcomings. As the movie goes on, it really becomes about how is Japan going to take care of itself? Um, and obviously some of that is wrapped up in the bureaucracy stuff as well. But I really just liked that from the cultural perspective of, yeah, like, every other country wants to dictate what happens to us. It's time for Japan to decide what happens. And like in the same way that the government is shown as the ineffectual bumbling kind of comedic character in the beginning, as it goes on and you, you know, you have uh, Yaguchi becoming like sort of more trusted, not empower necessarily, certainly like leads up this task force and that ends up being very important. Um, But I think like there's sort of this commentary of like the younger Japanese who are a little more idealistic or who maybe are a little bit more broken out of the, you know, the very formal constraints of how the older Japanese works. Like they're the ones who can maybe fix our problems. And this is me saying this purely as commentary observed from the movie. I have not spent time in Japan. Uh, I'm not going to be somebody who's like, I watch anime. Thus I know what Japan is all about. (laughs) I'm just kind of pulling from what the movie is presenting. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I would agree that that seems to be what, at least part of what's being uh, unsaid here. And it's just interesting to watch, you know, especially the the character of the the first prime minister. It seems very clearly clearly to be someone who has failed upwards. 
And it's like, he's the guy who's most easily manipulated. And that's why he's the actual prime minister and other people are trying to pull his strings behind the scenes. At least that's the way it, it seems to me. Um, Or he's the one who's willing to listen to everybody and doesn't want to make a decision. And therefore he never offends anyone. So there's certainly an element of that. Yeah. I really liked one of my favorite scenes early on is when he's holding the press conference and some people have told him like, well, this creature can't stand on its, on its hind legs. That's just like impossible based on it. And other people are like, we don't know if that's true. Like this is a giant monster that is called out of Tokyo Bay. We don't know a whole lot about it. And so he tries to like go on TV and then be like, well, I'm going to give people hope. It's like, don't worry. This, this derpy looking looking thing ain't gonna stand <laughs> up no what and like immediately someone comes up and is like uh sir it just stood on its hind legs <laughs> like, what are you like what are you talking about <laughs> I, I, for some reason and i'm not even saying that as like in a comedic scene i just really like the way that was all done i yeah. thought that was like really kind of well done there's also the uh the senator's daughter from the u.s which is kind of like their oh their, boy <laughs> yeah let, let's, let's dive in there as long as we're talking about the u.s japanese relations in this movie that was an interesting decision. Um, so she comes in. She, she's a, a Japanese-American in the story and definitely like has a lot of the stereotypical American traits, right? She's like, mm-hmm. comes in like... This is Japan's perception of how Americans act. Right. I mean, she has a little bit of nuance written into her, which I appreciate. You know, there is a moment in the movie where she says, like, I, I don't want to be part of something where we're going to drop a third bomb on the country where my grandmother was here for the first two. And like, and like there's, there's a little bit of nuance to her, but yeah, she very much comes in just like, Hey, I don't know why she's Fonzie, but like, shark at one point. So that's, yeah. Well, yeah, she's practically and, doing finger guns, you know? A right. couple of times. I'm surprised she does not, when they, like, when her and Yaguchi split off and she's like, I'll get you drones, I'm surprised she wasn't like, right, Exactly, Ex- exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, she's wheeling, she's dealing, she's, you know, yeah. presenting what the U.S. wants and hints that she's the one who's got the power to make these deals for them. But, you know, they got to take her up on it pretty soon. And she's going right. to be president. She's going to be president, right. right? Yeah, she has ambitions to be president one day. But also, like, kind of just the the transactional and soulless nature nature of American politics is fully in display with her because she does have like hundred oh, percent right. Like, she feels like she has the ability to get things done, but at the same time, she's aside from that one moment of vulnerability, she very much is just like, "I'm here to get this done. Like, let's do it." That's how we act. No yeah, one. I'm just wondering how can there really be no. Japanese American actresses in the U.S. who speak Japanese fluently, rather than getting a Japanese actress who d- who speaks English fluently, but not with an American accent. Right. So I wanted to ask you about that because I I was so dumb. I literally told you guys to go get the subtitles um, or go get the Japanese audio, and then David's like, "Oh, Amazon doesn't work." And then, like, a week later, I rented Amazon, <laughs> just totally forgetting what David said. So, like, while I originally saw this with the Japanese audio, um, I unfortunately watched it this time with the, I, with the dub. The dub wasn't terrible. No, it's fine. I, I, I was a little confused because they dubbed the people already speaking English. Yes. Which was very yeah. weird. <laughs> so, like, 
like when they're sense to do it for her right <laughs> but but there's like the one scene where they're like in the white house the guy like everything's just slightly out of sync because a different voice actor who's also speaking english is overdubbing like the president and 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 you know the people in the office which was a very interesting choice <laughs> but i wanted to ask you about that now for the dub did they have inserted shots of like cgi raymond burr <laughs> a scientist yeah, talking to them. Um, so yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. If so, it sounds like because I don't remember from seeing it in the theater that she is a Japanese actress trying to. Oh yeah, 100%. is she trying to do an American accent? Like, is it a bad one? I think so, and it's not great. <laughs> hey, partner. Um, like I said, she speaks English perfectly fluently. Sure, you know she's absolutely understandable. It's not a. Th- it's not a thick accent that she's got, but it's it's not a, a flawless American accent by any means, which is, you know, what Japanese American person would be more likely to have. You, you know right. who I, well, I don't know if she speaks Japanese. Um, I thought she would, but I think, I think they should have gotten uh, Sonoya Mizuno, who was uh, yeah, yeah. from devs um she was in ex machina she didn't speak in ex machina i i I really like her i think she's a she's a great actress but she's a japanese american actress and i'm just saying let's get more of uh more of her in things (laughs) and and maybe you know look at her for a little longer (laughs) i mean i would not complain at all no there's not hard on the eyes at the end of the movie as well as, as long as we're still on that character where you know they're both like her and her and her japanese counterpart are both people who at the end of the day are still relatively low on the totem pole, but both have aspirations to move up and up. And he's like, people died. We should really like do right by this country. And she's like, I'm going to be president. <laughs> There's just like entirely different <laughs> um, motivations between what the, what the both of them are saying. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she, she's an interesting addition to the movie. Let, let's talk about the nerd task force because <laughs> they're pretty great. I well, I love that they call them nerds right. when they're putting them together, uh, and I'm sure it was probably in the subtitles as well. But in the dub, when they're going through, it's like it, basically he might as well have been saying like, "You're all the losers and weirdos <laughs> that other departments don't like. We've assembled you in one place." Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. You know, there's one guy when they when they say that they've got some of its DNA and it looks like it's eight times longer than that of humans. It's like he looks ecstatic. That he's going to be able to sit down and look at this for years to come and break this down. And there would be there would be weirdos who would be excited by like, oh, this thing's destroying us. But ooh, look at its look at its its yeah, its molecules. Neat. Yeah, look at those photon beams. How's it doing that? You know? Oh my god! The, <laughs> when it I, starts shooting out its back, that's so cool. Yeah, it is cool. <laughs> but I do love that. Like the impetus for them to be able to sit down and nerd out is that Godzilla runs out of charge. Like he just gets and I too, yeah, he gets every, tired. Yeah, he gets tired, and then they have like what fifteen days to make a plan. Yeah, he doesn't have to go eat. He just like basically tuckers himself out and has to take a nap. <laughs> and I'm mean, right. saying this like joking, like in the movie, I'm like all for it. I'm like, ooh, what are they gonna do with their time? Like, I'm, no, for I, sure. I want to make it clear. I was super into this movie. Like, oh, I yeah. was like really into this movie. But it is kind of funny to think about. Like, yeah, Godzilla was just like. <sighs> 
all that destruction (laughs) really really wiped me out right right yeah although if you stop to think about it you know it's it's a reptile it's just gone on this rampage and expended a lot of energy and normally when reptiles do that they need a long rest period yeah that that's fair before it's it's crazy bottom jaw is going to open up and it's going to go all predator on us again i know (laughs) oh my god yeah yeah oh i um the nerd task force you know the older uh scientist guy you know with the beard and the right you know balding that is shinya tsukamoto and he's a respected japanese actor and director that's the director of tetsuo the iron man and all its sequels oh wow that's really cool so which i don't recommend for everybody by the way but (laughs) (laughs) if you like really odd movies uh go for it it's a good one yeah i don't have i don't have her name here but there's one they showed a lot too who was kind of like the girl of the nerd group and the stoic glasses yeah yeah i really liked her for some reason her character of like uh, it had this like this sense in like the way that they wrote it is like not like the other girls, but the actress that did it had the perfect like deadpan, right? Just face the whole time. Yeah. And there's this documentary style of filming it that you pointed out in our docket, Nicole. And it, it, there's only there's times where they just they just go rogue with like the film style of this movie, which I kind of love. Like there, there's moments where, for instance, they're given data, and the nerd team is basically hand. Like the data in hand is the camera facing them, right? So they are passing the camera around, staring at you, the viewer, as if you are the data. And there's just very weird film styles throughout this movie that 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 mesh surprisingly well. Yeah, Yeah. I I really dug it. I'm I'm in David's camp. I was having a great time watching this, especially you know when it first comes out of the water, and I'm just, what the hell is that? (laughs) I think part of the reason. I think part of the reason that I like it uh, so much is maybe because like I, I love big actiony monster movies, like Kaiju movies, you know, Pacific Rim. So goofy, so dumb, love Pacific Rim would watch it right now if it was on. But I think there was something kind of nice and interesting of this movie. That's not like, not about the, the most exciting action in the movie is they ram some trains into Godzilla's ankle to knock him down. <laughs> Got strains with bombs. And it's it's about this whole other perspective of this moment and really well done. Like if it was, you know, poorly written and really drawn out and boring, probably a different story. But I really liked that this was a kind of a different take on a, a kaiju movie than one I'd seen in a while. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that was kind of my my vibe coming out of it when I saw it in the theaters was I, I was taking this to um, a friend of the show, you know, Dominic Chikoki. I, I don't know if he's been on Movie Go Round, but he was definitely on Geek Cinema. Um, Several times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he, and and he's you know he was a film major and and he's got a great eye for film and and he was the one who turned me on to this and said we need to go see this and we went to the music box and and saw it together and he was all on board like from minute one and it really took me a little bit to figure out what was going on and that was at a time where I hadn't seen a lot of other Godzilla films and I wasn't as familiar with what I was getting into but with that said uh, this was such a fun theater experience because I felt like. Not everyone was really aware that the whole bit was that it was going to be a bumbling bureaucracy and just watching people in conference rooms for two hours with, you know, interspliced action. That's not as David kind of alluded to. It's like not 
groundbreakingly exciting. Like there's a shot where there's a bunch of cranes and when they're put in the, the hydro freeze or whatever, and or the coolant or whatever it is in, in his mouth, that's kind of it. Like he, they destroy a bunch of stuff. There's some cool destru- destruction scenes. The back beams are pretty cool. The back beams are pretty cool, but it's just, it's so different. The back beams are pretty cool. The unhinging the jaws for the mouth beam is cool. Yeah, that was cool. But it it was just a really fun thing to see in the theater. And and I'd obviously recommend if it ends up making rounds at independent theaters again, it's, it's worth checking out, you know, in an actual theater. For all the change in film style, you know, and the kind of documentary approach to a lot of it, they really get the feel of the original Godzilla film. Right. And some mm-hmm. of the follow-ups. I mean, I think they use the same music. Uh, they do in the beginning and the Oh, yeah. There's a few times oh, yeah. where that is dead yeah, on. Where the, the classic theme is mm-hmm. in there. monsters walk that it's this very i want monsters i mean it's the same monster nominally but the different designs it walks this fine line between looking like a person in a rubber suit but the cg takes out all the seams Mm. so it looks like it's really there but you know it almost looks like there's a, a real giant person in a rubber suit or right. it's a CG thing that moves exactly like a person in a rubber suit. <laughs> it's, yeah. But it's, it works in this really weird way. It works. And it's got, and it's got that, that feel of the original where it's like, you either have to buy in or bail out. Oh yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> and yeah. you're right. It is, it is very referential to, you know, the early work and, and even just in the sound design beyond the music that's being pulled in from the original in several spots in the film, including in the beginning and end credits, you also have several Godzilla roars from different mm-hmm. eras that are spliced into um, whenever he happens to be roaring. Uh, there's there's a lot of reverence for what came before in this film, and it shows the Godzilla roar. And I and I am not I'm not exaggerating when I say this. It is one of the best pieces of sound design in cinema. Oh, for sure, it's so iconic. Hundred percent. It's it's iconic. It uh, it's just so good. It is they they a few few things have I think have they nailed it so perfectly, and that's that it's gone through now decades. You know, six seven decades. This sound is is recognizable. And every time I hear it, I get excited. Like I've been watching my girlfriend and I've been watching the new Godzilla movies uh, because Kong versus Godzilla came out, but I realized she hadn't seen the old ones and we're watching them. And just anytime Godzilla's up there in in roaring, I'm like, yay! <laughs> Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, the the timbre, the reverberation to it, the way it sort of uh brett you probably know the musical term for it where it's sort of how it sort of trails off and yet turns metallic 
at the end. Well, that, that's what I was about to say. Is like it has this like metallic's such a good word for it because toward the end of it has that like kind of like screechy type, like gosh, like you're right. Like metallic is like such a good word for it. But it's, it's super cool. It's great. <laughs> super cool, and I love it. I, I do love that. Apparently, when this, so we. Talk, we can talk a little bit more about his forms because he goes through like four different forms in this movie. But the second form, the really memeable one, became a meme in Japan, which is called Kama, Kamatakun, was the, the name of the nickname of that particular version of him in this movie. And if you just type that in, uh, Kamatakun memes on, on Google, you get some quality content. Quite a bit of it's in Japanese, but this was very memed, which I appreciate. <laughs> I, I also do want to call out that, like, as we're sitting here saying, you know, some of the politics of this showed some more, you know, Japanese nationalism and like exceptionalism of trying to solve the problem without all the external forces messing it up. I, I was just reading through as we were going through here that there are some critics of this film that say, you know, does this promote some more. Re- you know, quote unquote, right wing ideals of Japan in the sense that it is more nationalistic and it is like the government solved this problem for you. And, and I, I personally don't see it. I'm also not versed enough in, in Japanese <laughs> politics to know, but I, I did want to call out that that was a criticism of the movie. Sure. I think there's a line between nationalism and national pride. Mm. And okay. I've, I've, I felt like it fell more on the side of being proud of their country and confident that they had the know-how to do it if only they could muster up the wherewithal. Yeah. If if only they could get their, their act organized, that they could carry it off, that they had the skills and the brains to do it, and they just needed to get the drive together to and the authority to get it done. Yeah. Right. Okay. Great observation. I, I I got nothing else to add to that. I just want to say A plus. <laughs> oh, thank yeah. you. Agreed. <laughs> um, I I just threw one of those memes in our chat. You guys can see. I don't even understand why that meme is particularly funny, but I see the face and I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's very memeable. Yeah, I, um, I love that so, stupid face. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> I, and I got to be honest, when I picked this movie, having not seen it for five years, there was definitely part of me. It's like, I got to get them to watch the goofy Godzilla. And I would be terrified if that thing was coming at me. I would be terrified. Oh, my God. It would be I mean, right. Especially with this red goo sloshing out of the gills in like oh, barrel yeah. holes everywhere. Yeah. yeah like, if, you don't know what's in that. You don't if know where that's thing, been. <laughs> this thing wandered up onto land and just like, because what it does when it first comes out, it just like goes up, causes a bunch of destruction, turns around and goes back to Tokyo Bay. D- d- horrifying. Like what just happened? But it's in a movie. So I get to, I get to think it's hilarious and kind of adorable. Right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, we, you did put in our docket, David, and we've already talked about it a little bit, but you know, I was rather engaged for a movie that was mostly just people talking in meeting rooms. And yeah, I, I, I feel like there is definitely a budgetary constraint here that they, they flexed that as hard as they could and really did a lot with it by writing this script the way they did and not having to spend as much time in the destruction of Tokyo as a typical Godzilla movie would. I just, that's my favorite part of this movie. I love that. That's what they did with it. Well, and they get, you know, a lot of great actors in here right. to be pulling off the role. Like uh, Hiroki Hasegawa plays Yaguchi, who's the determined 
bureaucrat. He's he's the man with the drive and the determination to you know try to solve this problem without wading through twenty seven layers of bureaucracy. Right. And he is fantastic. He he's really good at being determined and manic when he mm. needs to be. Um, I've seen him before in uh, Sion Sono's "Why Don't You Play in Hell," uh, which came out a few years okay. before this, which is hundred percent recommend. And you, you watch for that coming later uh, <laughs> to this space. <laughs> but he plays this nutty director of a group of gonzo movie makers who call themselves the, the F bombers, except they actually use the F word. Um, <laughs> so, and it's a lot of fun. And one of the military guys in this is also in that movie playing a gang leader. Um, cool. But there's just, there's so much. <laughs> and these people that that are, have like 200 credits each in IMDb who work a lot and are all over, Japanese yeah. TV and the movies and they're all great there. And it looks like one of the directors, this was co-directed by Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi and Shinji Higuchi okay. um, a year before this had directed the live action attack on Titan films and a lot of the same cast. God. I was going to say, which, which Hiroki Hasegawa was also in. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very cool. Okay. Yakuchi is this kind of like perfect Japanese hero for a movie like this because he's ambitious to save Japan, but he's not he's not doing it for the advancement. Right? <laughs> Everyone's like, you'd make a you're you're gonna be a great prime minister one day, or like, oh, you can get a lot of th-. he has this this friend that, that throughout the movie is just like, think of all the ways we can advance our careers now that like half of right. half of our government's been killed. Uh, but Yaguchi's like, no, I'm doing it for Japan. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, this movie kind of hints at the in the very last frames at a at a potential sequel someday. I, I don't know if we'll ever well, nope. yeah, get it. Absolutely. Nope. It's they, not a permanent solution. What they've done. They right. uh, have said, and I, I'm bummed about this as well. Um, that there is no plans for any sort of um, any sort of direct sequel to this, at least like at ah. this time. Uh, but there, there is a plan. Well, I guess well, there is a a series of oh animated films. Uh, but they announced that they are s- establishing again a shared universe because I think there's been some other yeah. Shin movies that have come out. Interesting. Okay. So we'll, right. the character will appear again. Uh, but not necessarily in a Shin Godzilla 2. I mean, never say never sort of thing. But let's talk about the xenomorphs that were coming off of his tail. Yeah, that was was genuinely horrifying. It was, yes, absolutely. Because they looked like skeletal, badly burned humans trying to crawl off its tail, like these human-demon hybrids that were about to jump off its tail and scatter into Tokyo. And wreak goodness knows what havoc. But yeah. yeah, that was that was that was scary. <laughs> yeah, this is- movie is is really good at, at changing tones without giving you whiplash. Yeah, you there know, was a the right. first part funny, times. and then it gets kind of desperate, and then it gets really actiony, and mm. then it there's like these genuine horror elements sprinkled in. 
Yeah, the the way they shoot some of these like destruction scenes are not like big action set pieces. They're kind of like like with the music that's behind them and the way they're kind of shot is like this right. is the monster destroying your town. Absolutely. Oh, um, there's also that that scene where uh, it's origami, <laughs> uh, Nicole. You or David, you noted that in our docket. Yes. Yeah. They they when they because the the guy I can't remember the name of the the guy at this point, but uh, the guy who like discovered Godzilla and knew all this information about him, uh, like disappeared, but he left them some clues. And they're trying. To, and there's this big sheet with a bunch of colored lines that's supposed to mean something. And the way they eventually uncover it is like. Oh, it's uh, it's origami. Like we're supposed to fold it up into different ways, and it felt a little bit like a parody of like of a Japanese revelation that like oh, it's it's origami is the way that we solve it. Right. Yeah, I mean, that reminded me of that moment in Jurassic Park where the girl's like, "It's a Unix system. <laughs> yes. I know this." <laughs> but I was actually waiting the whole time. You know, the map that they're that they're looking at um, looks like a chart that's got a million plot points on it in a bunch of different colors and i was i was just waiting for one of them to put on a pair of 3d glasses <laughs> and it, to resolve into a three-dimensional image of some kind so i was kind of disappointed that that did not happen but origami is good that was a good one i'm glad to hear the the character might come back <laughs> so hoping who would show up kind of wondering if the guy would show up though Oh, oh! The guy that that left it all behind. You know, he he disappeared. Now he doesn't disappear though. And doesn't and he? He, re- he remains very mysterious. You guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the conclusion that I drew by the end was that he was on the boat at the beginning of the movie that exploded, and the explosion of that boat is what ruptures the radioactive barrels at the bottom of Tokyo Bay. Which is what actually makes mm. Godzilla spawn in the first place. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't pick up on that. That makes sense. So I wonder if he, I think he did it on purpose. Yeah. Right to, on. Like draw people's attention to the dangers of the nuclear waste that's still mm. hanging around. Mm. Wow. So, guys, Shin Godzilla. Uh, it sounds like it was it was well received by the panel. Does anyone have any any closing thoughts on this as we begin the wrap down? I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you know Rando Yaguchi uh, in another movie, hopefully with a, a an even longer title. Yep. You know, he starts out with like Deputy Assistant Bureau of whatever Chief <laughs> Rando Yaguchi, and then he gets the title of Unidentified Creature Response Special Task Force HQ Bureau Chief Rando Yaguchi. And then by the end of the movie, he's Cabinet <laughs> Minister of State for Special Missions, Giant yep. Unidentified Creature Unified Response Task Force HQ Bureau Chief and Deputy Director. Sure. <laughs> that, yeah, why not? No, I. 
as you're saying that, I'm like, oh my gosh, Nicole is so right. I love this because I love in the loop because I like I I love the the, the shots where it like cuts to all the in- incredibly inane government stuff you don't need to know. Like they're on the fourth floor of this building, and then it cuts to the second floor of the building, and they're talking with like the, their titles keep popping up on screen and they keep getting increasingly more complex and different and there's always different people in the room i I love that kind of comedy and 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 like like we talked about like it's funny for the first bit and then they they lean into it really hard and then it gets even more serious and it becomes less of a joke but it's just so well done I, i really like this movie uh david any closing thoughts uh well first i'll say shin ultraman is the next movie kind of in that shared universe series that's coming out uh sometime this year in 2021 okay Um, one of the the directors directed an ultraman movie yeah um so take be on the lookout for that it's coming from the evangelion creator so i'm i'm very curious um i will also say if your love for kong versus godzilla was watching monsters pummel on each other there's a ton of that in other godzilla movies not in this one uh mm-hmm. so just kind of like if if we've inspired you to see it which i think people should see it if you if you haven't yet if this everything we've said is right up your alley uh just don't go in into this obviously by everything we've talked about expecting a lot of the monster you're going to see way more of people than you're going to see the monster but i still think it's really worth giving a try and uh, and checking out Yes, absolutely agreed. No, you're you're right. It is a very different concoction than your normal Godzilla or uh, you know creature feature monster pick. It's it's very different. Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. That's terrific. I am going to go ahead and put our you did this to us in the show notes. So again, people, if you didn't hear it at the beginning of the show, it will be in the show notes. So you can go ahead and follow along with what we are watching next week. But let's go around the horn and see where we can find everybody online. Nicole Davis, where can people find you? I take care of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash movie go around podcast. You can interact with, with us there, ask questions, take the poll for you did this to us. Um, you know, let us know if there's stuff you want to see and maybe we can fit it into one of our categories. Who knows? Absolutely. And David, what about you? Devla's D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter and Instagram. Also check out Hit Me One More Time. Thanks. Uh, all right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can email the show, hi, hi, at mgrpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. If you'd like to go ahead and find all of these links and more, all you have to do is go to social.mgrpodcast.com. But that will do it for myself, David, and Nicole. This was our episode for Shin Godzilla. We'll see you next week with You Did This to Us. Mm-hmm.